0: Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Church by the Glades podcast. If you would like more information about Church by the Glades, including service times and directions, visit cbglades.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, what's going on Church by the Glades? So glad y'all are here. Thank you for joining us in the house today. For those that don't know, my name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at CVG. And before I go any further, let me stop to say this. You made it a full month of making a holy habit of being at church. Come on, that deserves to be celebrated. Y'all give yourselves a round of applause. You kept showing up and that's amazing, so well done. Uh, Speaking of showing up, if you're a young adult in the room and you were not at rally nights on Friday. Oh, do me a favor really quick. Ball up your fist. Go ahead and turn it towards yourself and punch yourself in the face because you missed out on one of the most incredible nights I could have possibly imagined. I mean, the energy in the room, am I right? The energy in the room was, I'm talking about electric. God showed up in a powerful and unique way. It was an amazing start. There were over 30 people that gave their life to Christ and got baptized. It's amazing. The room was packed, it was standing room only, God is truly doing something special through our young adult movement here called Rally. So if you're a young adult and you've never been to Rally, this next month you need to get yourself there because the truth is, if you want some, some different things to happen in your life this year, you're going to have to do some different things. So that's why I'm so proud of everybody that is working their absolute hardest to make some changes in their life. because. That's actually why we started this series. Everything's fine, it's fine. I'm fine, because maybe you're here today, or or maybe you're watching across the the world online, or maybe you're at one of our physical locations. What's going on, Lake Worth Beach? Homestead Date CI, come on, welcome home. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, And maybe you've got this serial dysfunction in your life. Maybe you've got this issue that you just can't seem to escape. Maybe. Your life straight up just kind of looks like a, a dumpster fire. And you don't know why. Well, my, my prayer for you today would be that God reveals some things to you about your habits, uh, your decisions, your, your thought process, your speech. Uh, maybe it's your friend group. I pray that God would reveal some things to you that need addressing so that, that true transformation can break out in your life. And to do this throughout this series, we've been studying this transitional period in the the history of God's people, the Israelites, where God's people were liberated from Egyptian, centuries of Egyptian captivity, and, and given possession of this beautiful and blessed land that they should occupy in freedom. But the problem with the Israelites was that year after year after year after year, in this transitional period, they kept making the same mistakes. Just like we do today. And, 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 and because of this, the, the time that lapsed between the exodus from Egypt into the entering of the promised land was 40 years. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. A, a journey that should have taken them a fraction of the time simply because they could not learn the things that God needed them to learn in order for them to live in freedom. And what I want to do today then is to learn from the Israelites, to to learn from them so that we do not stay stuck or stagnant in seasons of dysfunction for any longer than necessary. And to do that, I want to study Exodus chapter 17. So if you would, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. That's where we'll spend our time in scripture today. And Exodus chapter 17 is the very first battle that Israel fights in their wilderness wanderings. And and I believe this text can give us some insight into the things that are necessary for us to live in lasting victory. Y'all ready for God's word? Awesome. Let's go to Exodus chapter 17. Let's start in verse number eight. Here's what the Bible says. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord and the Lord will be at war with the Amalekites from generation to generation. It's this amazing passage of scripture and I believe it begs this question. How many of you in here love a good surprise? Like, you love being surprised by the people, and you're like, yeah, one happy person over there, awesome. Okay, he loves surprises. Take notes, people. Okay, um, how many of you in here are, like, you despise surprises? Like, don't surprise me unless you're trying to get rocked, type thing, you know what I mean? Like that, anybody like that? My, my wife Stacy, she loves a good surprise. She's an avid fan of surprises. But the problem with Stacy is that the girl's impossible to surprise. Like impossible, Like she, she's so smart, she knows that I know that she loves a surprise, so she knows that I'm gonna try and surprise her when the occasion fits. So she's always like three steps ahead of me. She knows what's coming around the corner before I can even do it, so it's so frustrating to surprise this girl. And now listen, it's not all her fault, because I'm the type of person that gets eager and excited when I want to give you something, so I'm the type of guy that 10 days before Christmas I'll be like, your gift came in, you want it right now, yeah? <laughs> And, and I think Stacy, she, uh, she actually passed down this trait to our son Avery, because all of a sudden he loves to surprise people. Uh, the other week I was walking down the stairs in our home and I wasn't paying attention, I think I was on my phone or something and I was just kind of keeping to myself and all of a sudden Avery pops out the corner and he says, surprise you! Dude, I about peed my pants. I was saying, it caught me off guard, I was not expecting this. And of course, my reaction caused him to hysterically laugh. And whenever you give a kid a reaction like that, oh, that's it, over and over and over, and it's, it's on repeat now. So he surprises me every day at some point in the day. And I've grown to learn that it's coming. So, but I'm trying to be a good dad, trying to give him the reaction he wants, so I'm like, oh, you surprised me, you caught me. You caught me off guard. What we see in Exodus chapter 17, is this battle between the Amalekites and the Israelites, but the battle started off as a surprise attack. The Israelites did not see this battle coming. They were not expecting war in the wilderness. The very first verse in the the scripture we just read literally says that the Amalekites came and fought with the Israelites. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. They were not doing anything wrong. The Israelites were minding their own business, and yet the Amalekites came and picked a fight with them and attacked them by surprise. Have you ever been through a situation that caught you off guard? Maybe it was a a health scare that came out of nowhere. Or, Or maybe it was a breakup that you did not see coming. Maybe it was an unexpected bill that caught you by surprise. What I've learned is that some of the most difficult battles, some of the the hardest battles we will ever face are the ones that we do not see coming. But it's how you respond in these moments that can make all the difference. It can literally be the determining factor between you staying stuck in a season of dysfunction for a prolonged period of time or you stepping into the freedom that I believe God has called you to step into. (laughs) Moses... When he learned that his adversary was waging war with him unexpectedly, he didn't know what to do. Because you have to remember, this was at most two months after the exodus from Egypt. So they had no military experience. They had been in slavery for hundreds upon hundreds of years, so they had no military experience. They had no plan. This was unprecedented territory for the Israelites. And... Due to the nature of this battle, being that it was unexpected, being that it was a surprise attack, Moses didn't even have time to come up with a strategy. He didn't have time to research the best military tactics. He didn't have time to read Sun Tzu's The Art of War. He didn't have time to call his friends for advice or listen to the best podcasts on the subject. He didn't have time to consult leaders who had been in this position before. When Moses was faced with the unknown of this battle, He simply turned to the place that all of his help had come from when he was in a situation he had no idea how he was going to get out of. When Moses was attacked by surprise and faced with this unexpected battle, he turned to the staff of God. It was when Moses was pleading with an unrelenting Pharaoh to let the people go that God instructed Moses to take this staff and strike the Nile River, turning it to blood, the first of many plagues that would eventually come to change Pharaoh's mind. It was when their backs were up against the waters of the Red Sea with the army of Pharaoh approaching to recapture them that God instructed Moses to take this staff and hold it up in front of the sea, splitting the sea wide open, making a way where there was once no way through. It was when... The people of Israel were thirsty with no water nearby that God instructed Moses to take this staff and strike a rock so that water would start gushing from it, quenching the people's thirst. Moses turned to the staff of God, not because he trusted in the staff, but because he knew where the staff's power came from. Moses turned to the place that he knew his help was coming from. You see, when faced with the unexpected nature of this battle, Moses, he turned to the staff of God. And here's what I find so interesting about this. In all those other scriptures I just mentioned, all those other passages, God clearly gave Moses instruction on what to do with the staff. But in this case, in the case of this text, there's no apparent conversation between God and Moses to take this staff and bring it to the top of the hill while the army fought in the valley. This was seemingly a split-second decision that Moses had made, most likely because it was the instrument through which God had brought about all their provision and freedom in the past. When, When Moses was faced with this surprise attack, it forced him to go to the God that had consistently showed up for him time and time and time again, even when they didn't deserve it. There's just something about a surprise attack There's just something about being caught off guard, about an unchosen battle that has a tendency of driving us to the presence of God like no other thing in this life can do for us. So many of us like to be in control. So many of us like to have a plan. So when these unexpected bumps in the road come, they tend to derail our progress because we can't control what we can't see and a lack of control, it gives so many of us anxiety and worry and it short-circuits our brain. Oh, but God loves to use these unexpected battles, these unforeseen bumps in the road to draw us to a place of desperation, knowing that there's no possible way we could conquer what stands in front of us, which leaves us no other option but to seek God and seek his help for our life. Yeah, that's a good place to clap right there. And this is exactly what Moses did. And because of this, he led the people of Israel to their first victory in battle. But did you notice how the battle was won? Let's go back to verse 11. I've highlighted a couple words. I want you to read them loudly with me. As long as Moses held up up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever Moses lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. The battle was not won by the military prowess in the valley. The battle was won by the intercession up on that hill. The army's effectiveness was determined simply by how high Moses could raise this staff of God. Hear me when I say this. So many of us believe that discipline and determination are going to be the things that turn our year around. If I could just be disciplined enough, then I'll finally get myself out of debt. If I could just be determined enough, then I would finally get that diploma I've been working so hard for. But year after year after year after year, we are disciplined and we are determined, and yet nothing changes. I'm not saying that being disciplined or determined are bad things. No, like discipline and determination are necessary factors in your personal victory. I'm simply suggesting they're not the X factor. The determination displayed by Joshua's army in the valley was crucial for this victory to occur. But it was the reliance that Moses had on God up on that hill that truly delivered them from the Amalekites. What I'm trying to say is that your deliverance is not gonna come about just by discipline and determination. But your deliverance will always be attached to your dependence. As long as Moses held up his hands towards the heavens, the army was winning. But whenever his arms would start to lower, they would start to lose. The measure in which Moses was dependent upon God for the victory is the measure in which the army was successful. This is why we need to understand and remember that dependence on God is the fuel we need to defeat our difficulties. This is why in verse 15 of this text, it says that Moses, he built an altar and then he called this altar, the Lord is my banner. Uh, A banner, historically speaking, was a a symbol of unification. It was a a, a rallying point for the troops. So to say the Lord is my banner, Moses was exclaiming where his confidence came from. Moses was exclaiming what their identity was found in. And more than anything else, Moses was exclaiming who the victory was really brought through. I, I I love how King David puts this complex subject. I love how he explains uh, this idea of God being our banner. Look at what it says in Psalm chapter 20. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses and some trust in the stock market, and some trust in success, and some trust in status, and some trust in their athleticism, and some even trust in themselves. Oh, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees, but we who trust in God, we rise up, and we stand firm. Lasting change. True freedom, deliverance, and victory are found in one name and one name alone. It is the name above all names. It is the king of kings. It is the lord of lords. It is the prince of peace. It is the alpha and the omega. His name is Jesus Christ, and it is his strength, not yours. It is his power, not yours. It is his might, not yours, and it's his victory. Not ours. Now this doesn't mean that we're to sit around and do nothing and just kind of hope and pray and wait that God will do something for us one day. No, that's not how this works. We fight our battles always on two fronts. On the front of human obedience and on the front of divine intervention. This means we must do everything in our power to to win the battle in the valley. This is where we must be disciplined, we must be determined, we must work our tail off, do whatever it takes to get the victory in the battle, but we must never forsake the importance of lifting the banner high on the hill because there are gonna be some battles you face that are too big for you to do it by yourself. I know you're talented, I know you're gifted, I know you have willpower, I know you're determined, but sometimes those things just aren't enough because you're gonna face things that are bigger than you can handle, and it's in these moments that we need to remember to be dependent on God and remember where our help comes from. My help is up on that hill. But sometimes, you could be doing everything right. And you're being dependent on God and you're trusting in Him for the victory and still the, the weight of your battle is becoming too heavy a burden for you to bear by yourself. See, Moses, his arms were growing heavy because he was holding this staff of God above his head for a prolonged period of time. And because of this, his arms were growing tired and his arms were beginning to drop. And because of this, the staff of God was lowering. And in other words, the, the heavier his arms got, The the heavier his arms got, the, the more difficult it became to remain dependent on God. The heaviness of his assignments was making it hard for him to continue doing the necessary things for victory. Oh, but thank God he was not on that hill up alone. In verse 10, it gives us an insight as to who was up on that hill with him. It says that Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Get ready to read. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur then held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so his hands remained Steady. steady until sunset. This is the part of the text that most frequently gets highlighted because what we see is this incredible sacrifice and support given to Moses by his biological brother Aaron and his companion named Hur. When, when Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Hur, they, they sat him on a stone and they held up his arms on either side so that he did not have to bear the burden of this battle by himself. You could go as far to say that if it were not for Aaron or Hur, the Israelites likely would have never defeated the Amalekites in battle. And As I was studying this passage, I I was, particularly this part of the text, something jumped out at me that I had never seen before. Did you notice that Moses did not ask for Aaron and Hur's help? Did you notice that he did not ask for them to put a stone under him or or raise his arms? The the text simply says that that Moses was starting to struggle, so then Aaron and Hur sprung into action. (laughs) This tells me that Aaron and her recognized Moses was struggling all on their own and then jumped in to help their brother out in his time of need. Now, we don't get the dialogue between Moses, Aaron, and her, but I can only imagine how this conversation between Aaron and her went as they noticed what was going on with Moses. It probably went something like this. Psst. Are you seeing this? It's, it, are you noticing what's going on? Yeah, yeah I am. His palms are sweaty. His knees are weak, his arms are heavy. (laughs) There's vomit on his robes already. It's manna spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting to hold up his arm. Oh, you didn't know? (laughs) You didn't know the eminent theologian, Eminem, drew inspiration for Lose Yourself from This Path? You didn't know that? Come on, do your research, people. (laughs) <laughs> Aaron and her noticed that Moses was struggling. Because of that, they ran to his side to relieve some of the burden of his, of his battle so he did not have to lift the weight of his assignment by himself. And what I've noticed is that God's purpose will always require collaboration with God's people. Because God has hardwired us as relational beings. He has designed us with this innate need for interpersonal relationships. We we need other people in our life to to accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish because the truth is there are just certain things in life that you will face that will weigh you down, that will become too heavy for you to bear on your own. You will face things that will try to suck the life out of you and have you thinking that you could never get any better than you currently are. And it's in these moments you need people in your life that you can borrow strength, from, that you can borrow faith from, that you can be encouraged to keep fighting, encouraged to keep praying, encouraged to keep moving forward. You need people in your life that are going to notice when you are off your game. Notice when you're not talking like you normally do. Notice when you're not texting like you normally do. Notice that you're not showing up like you normally do. And then jump into help without being asked to do anything. These are the types of people you need, but here's the catch. Aaron and her only noticed the struggle of Moses because they were in close proximity to Moses. And this got me thinking. I wonder how many of us are not receiving the assistance we need, not because people don't care, because they do, but because we're not willing to let anybody close. Amen. We trick ourselves all the time into thinking we have community. I'm at church, aren't I? I don't isolate myself. I'm not sitting in bed all by myself all alone. I don't do that. I've got friends I like to hang out with from time to time, people I, I like to talk to, people that like to talk to me. I've got community, Nick. I'm sorry to tell you, that is not community. That's a crowd. And community is never going to be found in your crowd, but your community will be found in who you let close. I'm not talking about people you gather with. I am talking about people you get real with, people you get vulnerable with, people who know your struggles, people who know the uphill battle you are facing, people who know what is keeping you up at night. It's the people that you let close that can lift up your arms when you are in the battle. It's people that you let close that can steady your arms when you are in the fight of your life. And I know it's difficult for you because you don't want to get vulnerable. You don't, you don't want to tell people you're not okay because you've tried that before and your heart was broken and someone broke your trust. They betrayed you. They stabbed you in the back and you vowed to never let somebody close again. But can I just encourage you to stop letting the problems of your past hinder the potential of your future? <clears throat> stop stiff-arming people and let some people close and let them close so that you can receive the assistance that you need. And it's very important, though, that who we let close are the right types of people. Because we want our arms lifted in our time of need, not dragged down further. Oh, (laughs) we need people. That are going to tell us things like, hey, thanks for telling me your problem. It's like the fourth time you've told me, but have you gone to God in prayer about that yet? Like, you know, as a matter of fact, let's pray together right now. Hey, stop isolating yourself. Let's get to church together. Let's go worship with one another. Hey, you've told me about this problem time after time after time after time. Maybe it's time to go to counseling to, to really deal with this thing. Hey, maybe you should stop self-medicating. That's not going to be helpful for you. We need these types of people that can challenge us and call us out. But what we don't need are people that say things like, dude, it's Saturday night, forget about church. Let's go to space. The pastor knows about space? What in the? Dude, let's just party until we can't remember what our problems are anyways. Girl, forget him, okay? You know what they say the best way to get over somebody is? Some of you are gonna get that on the way home. (laughs) Who you let close can dictate how long you stay in seasons of dysfunction. This is why Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. Oh, but a companion of fools suffers much harm. The people who will lift you to your victory are never going to be the people that try to talk you out of doing what you know is for your betterment, but they're going to be the people that champion you, the people that challenge you to go even deeper and and push through when things get difficult. They're going to be the people that push you towards holiness, push you towards God, push you towards following his instruction for your life, even when it doesn't make sense. Our senior pastor, Pastor David, he likes to say it like this. Those who you let close, those who you let in your inner circle, they need to meet four qualifiers. They need to love God, love people, love God, love you, I should say, and then believe in God and believe in you. Now, I know these people don't grow on trees. And I know it's very difficult to find these kinds of relationships. And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but, the best place to find good, godly relationships are in the house of God. Amen. It's here. And if you didn't know, maybe you were not paying attention during the announcements, you were texting or whatever it was, we are starting at our Sawgrass Campus, we're starting life groups here next weekend at church. And- It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a group of people doing life together, gathered around a common interest. And we have life groups for every season and every stage of life you could possibly be in. We have senior life groups. We have middle-aged life groups. We have young adult life groups. We have single life groups. We have dating life groups. We have married life groups. We have sports life groups. We don't even have, they don't have to be Bible studies. We have Frisbee life groups. We've got basketball life groups. You want money? We got money life groups. We got money, anything. Life groups for anything. And you've got to get plugged in because it's in these groups that you will find people that will lift your arms up when you are battling by yourself. It's in these groups that you will find people that will encourage you to keep fighting, that will pray for you in the middle of your battle, that will check up on you when you're nowhere to be found. You need to plug in to a life group. Do whatever you have to do. Stay five minutes after service. Go sign up in the lobby. Do it right now from the comfort of your chair online. I don't care what you got to do, but you got to get plugged into a life group. Start letting people close because the victory you want in the valley is determined by who you have helping up on that hill. Aaron and her helped Moses in his time of need and because of that the people of Israel won their very first battle and they had the victory and I believe this is what God wants for your life. I believe God wants you to see victory. He he wants you to see holistic victory. And I know this because that's what the scripture says. God doesn't want you to be in this spin cycle of dysfunction anymore. That's not his agenda for your life. God, he he truly wants you to break free from these cycles of stagnancy so that you can walk in your full potential and live in true and holistic freedom. This is what the scripture says. I know this because look at at verse 13 of the text we just read. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write all this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Why? Because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. God wanted total victory, not just a temporary victory. God's desire was to completely eliminate their enemies altogether. And in a similar fashion, I believe God has no desire to deal with only part of your dysfunction. I believe God wants to deal with the totality of your toxicity because if dealt with only in part, there will always be the threat of recurrence. If you go to the dentist and you have four cavities, no one in the history of ever has gone to the dentist with four cavities and said, hey doc, can you just remove three? Like I want to keep this one back here because I've grown to like this one. You know what I mean? Like I like this cavity, like you don't have to touch it. I'll try and figure it out on my own, but take those other three out, leave this one. No one does that. No, because if you leave part of your dysfunction in your life, it won't just affect the one tooth, it might start to affect the whole mouth. So why is it then that God's people love to compartmentalize their sin and say, hey God, you can touch this area and this area and this area, but oh, this area over here. No, you can, you can leave that one alone. I kind of like the way I do this one. I I don't really want your instruction on this one, I don't really want to do it your way on this one. I kind of have grown accustomed to my way of doing it, and and I just want to keep this one to myself. So you can do all that, but God, you can just leave this one for me. If if your battle is addiction, it's not enough to just stop going to the bar. But you've got to stop hanging out with that friend group too. If your battle is pornography, it's not enough to just stop going to that website, but you probably have to go to Instagram and unfollow all those influencers that are tempting you on a daily basis. If your battle is your finances, it's not enough to just get yourself on a budget, but you probably have to deal with that spirit of comparison that has you trying to keep up with the Joneses all the time. True and lasting victory is found in complete removal. Jesus Christ did not only partly get rid of your sin. Jesus Christ did not mostly get rid of your sin. No, no, no. Jesus Christ reigns victorious over sin because Jesus Christ was sufficient for our sin. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, it was sufficient to pay for the price of all of our sin. It was sufficient to pay for all of our freedom. And we are free today. We are victorious today because Jesus was sufficient for all of it so if you want true victory you've got to deal with all your dysfunction and completely eliminate it I've got one more minute but I need you to catch this the Israelites never got this part true victory isn't just found in the complete removal of your obstacles or enemies but people who live in lasting victory have a long-term memory. Check this out. The, The biggest reason that the people of God wandered the wilderness for 40 years is because despite how good God had been, despite how faithful God had been, despite how many times God proved himself and showed himself to be powerful enough, the next time the big bad enemy got in front of the Israelites, they always doubted and forgot how good God had been to them. They always questioned whether or not God was powerful enough to deliver them another time. And they even started to seek outside sources, sources outside of God, to help them with their problems. They, they, they forgot. And this is why in verse 14 that God tells Moses to write these things down on a scroll so that they would remember. In other words, God told Moses to keep the receipts. You need to keep the receipts of the victories I win for you. You need to keep the receipts of my goodness. You need to keep the receipts of my faithfulness. Why? Because current success, it always provides perspective for future difficulties. But as long as God has to keep reminding us of how good he is, we are doomed to repeat certain cycles of dysfunction. And we will always be worried about the enemy that stands in front of us because we will always question whether or not God is truly powerful enough to provide for what we need. But what if 2024 was different? What if this was the year that instead of asking God to remind us of how good He is and remind us of how strong He is and remind us of how faithful He is, what if this was the year that we started to remind God of His faithfulness? God? I'm going through hell right now. I've got the biggest fight I've ever been fighting. And I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. But oh God, I kept the receipts. I know what you've done in the past. So I know you're going to find a way through because you have always shown up for me. You have always been good to me. You have always been faithful to me. And you have always got me through. And I have full trust today that you're going to show up again. You're going to be good again. You're going to be faithful again. Do I have any of God's people today that know? God is always going to be good, and he'll always show up for you. You got to keep the receipts and see if that won't shift your perspective of your problem. See if that won't eliminate your anxiety. See if that won't wither your worry away, because the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord, and he is our banner. So trust in Jesus today. Depend on the Lord today and allow him to escort you into freedom. Father, we come before you right now thanking you that you are the God that always shows up. Thanking you that you are the God that never fails us, that has always been faithful to us, that will always be good to us, that will always love us, that will always forgive us. So, God, we ask that you do it again today. We're fighting the battle of our life today, and we need you to show up for us. And, God, we know that you will, so we trust you today, Jesus. It's in the mighty name of your son that we pray, as the church said loudly together. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Don't forget to stay connected with us by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CB Glades at Pastor D. Hughes.